Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for Jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, kids? You know who it is. It's your favorite guilty pleasure, a.k.a. the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I am... Your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined as always, the Woodstock to my Snoopy, Mr. Chad Sowash. And today, we're going Euro on your ass. Everyone welcome Geert Jan Vosdorp. He is the CEO and founder of Intelligence Group. Joining us from the Netherlands, Geert, or I'll just call you GJ for short. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great for you having me. Yeah. Good to be here. I hear, I hear it's a, a little warm. In the Netherlands nowadays, how, how, how are you guys dealing with that? You, you don't generally have air conditioning units. How, how's that working for you? Well, it's sweaty. <laughs> sweaty. Yeah, and uh, uh, hot is fun, but too hot is, uh, well, it's especially sweaty. So for people like me that don't understand 30 degrees Celsius, what is that, like 90 to 100 in Fahrenheit? Yeah, I guess so. It's just hot. <laughs> hot as balls, everybody, in the Netherlands. Hot as balls. It is hot. We talked about on uh, one of the weekly shows in Luton Airport in London where the uh, tarmac was melting. Apparently, that's going to our friends in the Netherlands, so that should be fun. Chad loves it hot in Portugal, though. He gets to copper tone up the uh, the melon and get that nice shine on that head. Amen. So something he loves. Amen. Amen. So GJ, do us a little favor just for all those listeners that are out there that don't know who you are. Give us a little Twitter bio of, of you and then we'll jump into the research. Well, um, uh, my name is Geert Maasdorp, founder of Intelligence Group. Almost 25 years in uh, the, the labor market and recruitment industry, always uh, uh, working on data, talent intelligence, um, uh, and uh, looking for trends 
uh, and developments in the market uh, in the Netherlands. We started and now we're doing uh, Europe. And that's an amazing, that's amazing what's happening there. In Europe, well, I should say here in the U.S., we use a term called LMI, so labor market information, and there's a huge market for that here in the United States. Is that pretty much the same thing that you guys do in Europe? It's all labor market information and always intense on the labor market? Yes, that's exactly what we do, but it's that market in the Netherlands and in Europe is just developing. So uh, if I look at labor market insights, uh, recruitment data, uh, or talent intelligence, that's the the new hype, eh, talent intelligence. Uh-huh. It's just hot since last two, three years. And not, uh, and now now with the shortages, and uh, it's really taking off and getting more and more important uh, because knowing what's happening in the market gives you a competitive advantage in, in recruiting. Which is what your organization does. So give us the elevator pitch on Intelligence Group. Oh, so very, very short. We know exactly how big talent pools are, where you can find talents uh, in, in Europe, uh, what you need to offer them as employer benefits, the talent that you are looking for, or the channels that you uh, need to use to to recruit them. So to put this in context for our listeners, uh, G- GJ dropped a 160-plus page report on Chad's in my lap. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it simple for our listeners because we know who you are. But the European Intelligence Manual uh, from 2022, GJ, give us sort of a 30,000 foot view of the intelligence manual, what you're hoping to accomplish from it. Well, I think the one message that we have with this manual is that if you want to recruit in any country in Europe, any country is different. Uh, really different from another and even by region countries uh, within a country uh, there's a lot of difference and if you don't know that that data it's almost impossible for you to recruit in another country that you don't know and really it's day and night if you even compare well i'm in the netherlands and if i compare the netherlands to belgium and the half of belgium is also like dutch speaking the Belgian market is even more different than the German market is to the Netherlands, and the German speaks speak a different country of a speak a di- different language. So, it's really day and night. And I think a lot of recruiters underestimate the differences in um, in recruitment tooling, in ethics, in legalization between countries and, and, and regions. In starting the the European podcast, the Chad and Cheese Does Europe European podcast, you know, we knew as a couple of dumb Americans, we did not understand the dynamics at all. But as we dug into it and we started to interview leaders in Europe, in different countries, we started to understand that they didn't even understand what their neighbors were doing or the the inequities or what they were using to actually uh, target or, or, or search for jobs. I mean, for, so from our standpoint, I mean, that was mind blowing to think that, okay, so in America, we really don't understand Europe, but hell, in Europe, this information seems like gold too. Is that is that one of the reasons why you felt like you had to pull something like this uh, together be, just because you were seeing the exact same thing that we were saying? Well, we really needed proof when we have discussions with, um, with, with recruitment leaders in Europe. So if I talk to an average recruitment leader, they define the market as what LinkedIn tells them the market is. <laughs> and uh, you're laughing, but it's really that's really true. And they define the market as English speaking because they are 
themselves English speaking. That's the, the sometimes their native language also. And they expect that, well, they are recruiting for an international company. So they are only recruiting English people. So the, the main language is English. And LinkedIn tells them how the market looks like. But what LinkedIn doesn't tell them that they only have the data of people that use LinkedIn and have also often the English files, of the English profiles. So if you go to Germany or you even go to Poland or you go to Hungary, you see that the adoption of LinkedIn is, is very small. They are not, they by far not leading in those countries. Yeah, we'll dig into that in a minute because I want to go deeper. But th- before we do that, let's talk about how the uh, research was compiled. So uh, this was a survey. How was the, the information compiled? How many countries how many people were surveyed, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, the, we, we surveyed uh, almost 100,000 people last year, and we do that every year. Hold on, hold it, 100,000. Yeah, 99,175 to be exactly. Holy shit. Now that, okay, George, George LaRock, yeah. that is a sample <laughs> size, okay? You want to talk about 300 being a sample size? That is a fucking sample size, George. That's Herculean. Yeah, 27 countries, 90 different languages so then you see that the sample size you have to be have a, a good sample size in every country even if it's the small countries like Denmark uh, you still need to have a sample size to say something about the labor market in uh, in Denmark and we do that uh, year by year so some of your takeaways you mentioned and I'm going to give you sort of my main takeaways from the report and you tell me where I'm right and where I'm wrong Some of my major takeaways are that Europe is getting very old, and that's a major issue with with employment. There are huge differences between the north and the south of the continent, and what are those differences in employment? And then immigration is a huge huge issue in Europe. Am I right about those sort of three main takeaways, uh, or am I wrong and I should be looking at something different? You are right in every way, but it could be that, the, for example, if you look to the differences between North and South, but also between East and West, the differences could be different than you expect them to be. For example, I would expect before I did the research that the differences between the wages between male and female are bigger in the South than they are in the North, but it's exactly the other way around. The The South is more... Uh, emancipated i don't know if that's the good word but there are less differences mm-hmm. between uh, uh, male and female but i expected it to be because it's more male dominated the south of europe uh-huh. and the north always said they says we are more liberated you expected the, the, the other way around but it isn't uh, greater, greater pay disparity in the north than versus the south okay well especially in in the netherlands the uk germany Countries that are always full of how it should be, well, they suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> so the report actually demonstrates that, yeah, I mean, Finland was almost equal as men earn 0.1% more than women. So that's that, that's almost that's almost equal. And that's that's on the, you know, that's Scandinavia. Then we have Bulgaria, Estonia, and Romania, where women actually earn more than men. So these, I agree. I, I, I thought Finland might be close, but Bulgaria, Estonia, and Romania, that blew my doors off. I didn't, I didn't realize that women were actually making more than men. Do, do we understand why that is? Is it the type of jobs? 
I truly cannot tell you uh, uh, what the reason is because I was uh, surprised also by those uh, numbers. And uh, I need to say that those that was from the Eurostat, that's like the Central Bureau of Statistics from Europe. So it was not by the questionnaires that we saw that, but that was data that's even, well, they question about 2 million people every year. So it's Uh even another source, uh, but that, that was very remarkable. Yes. Let's get to the next thing that really drew my attention, and, and this one will shock you, uh, Chad, quite a bit. It was the uh, the Big Mac Index. What the uh, hell is the Big Mac Index, and why does it not do with me getting Big Mac shipped to my house? Well, the Big Mac Index is um, that's how you can easily compare what you can buy for a dollar in a, in a country, because in one country you can buy. From the, for one dollar, you can buy more Big Macs than in another country. And to be more comparable between what you can buy with your money that you earn in a country, they made a, a Big Mac index so you can make a fair amount on, well, you, you earn less, but can you buy more or less with the money that you earn in, an, in a country? And that's why they created, we didn't. But this is a number that is used all over the world, and it's called the Big Mac Index. So you can pair, compare exactly what you can buy, how many Big Macs you can buy by the salary that you make. Joel, Joel's getting ready to relocate to Romania after well, seeing Bulgaria this Bulgaria sounds really good. And so, for yeah, for context, <laughs> yeah. if you're in Switzerland, forget about it. Forget about it. If you're in Estonia, Bulgaria... Lots of Big Macs you can buy with the dollar. But from an employment perspective, I'm guessing that that impacts salaries. So salaries in Switzerland are going to be much more than they will be in Estonia. And you can you can expect to earn more, although things cost much more. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. And this data is, for example, very interesting. If you want to nearshore your workforce or want to know where to recruit and you you look at what the salaries you can pay. So it's interesting to see where you can buy cheaper labor and i need to be a little bit safe on this part because i know how chat reacts to that that kind of uh, stuff but uh, it's for in recruitment you see that it's what you can buy for a dollar is also labor and this kind of data is is important for international recruitment if you take a look at it though because of all the digital nomad programs and, and opportunities that are happening, you can actually earn a much larger salary and still live in Romania and get that wonderful Big Mac index, right? So, I mean, the, the labor market in itself is starting to morph dramatically, don't you think? Yeah, and that's that's really changing. And you even have countries in Europe that if you are a digital nomad in those countries, you don't have to pay taxes. So uh, you don't have to pay taxes, you earn more, and you do the same labor. So it is very interesting for people who can be what a digital nomad. <laughs> you don't pay taxes. In certain countries in Europe, if you are a digital nomad, you don't pay taxes. Wow. Yeah, we don't pay taxes, and that allows for more of the Big Macs. So uh, let's let's go ahead and jump into one of our, our favorite topics, Europe's favorite job boards. Now, this is something that is we're, we're looking at as an aggregate of, of all Europe. We've got Indeed, LinkedIn, neither one of those are surprising, Info Jobs, which doesn't exist in the u.s really monster which is over stepstone what did you say and then last but not least a deco 
So what what actually did any of this surprise you whatsoever? I mean, Monster surprises us whenever it shows up on a list. No Stepstone. No Stepstone's right after Monster, but they're they're heavy, really, just in Germany. But but JG, what surprised you about this? Anything? Well, I think that well, indeed, the LinkedIn didn't surprise me, uh, but Infojobs did surprise me because they are by far market leader in Spain and in Italy, and because they are big in those countries. And those countries are also very big. Then you see by average, they have a footprint in Europe. But to be honest, they only have a footprint in two out of 27 countries. Wow. And then because the European market only has local champions, so the market leader in, let's say, Swiss doesn't exist in in Austria or in Germany. So you only have local champions. That means that Monster, because they are like top 10 in like eight countries, and that's also by Stepstone combined, they have a footprint in Europe. But if you look in this in the countries themselves, in some countries, they have a, a sort of footprint by, by average, they don't. But it exactly tells you that there is no, there's no European job board. That's the real message. And by ADECO being sixth, yeah. and if you go to seven, eight, and nine, you see a Randstad or you see a Manpower, you see the agencies coming up because they yeah. are present in, in more countries. But if you compare their footprint or the per- percentages of people using them, that's like not even the, a tenth of LinkedIn or Indeed. So they are fourth and they are fifth, yeah, Monster and Stepzone, but it's never a real choice in when you are uh, recruiting locally. If you are recruiting in global, in the total of Europe, it could be uh, a choice that you make. And what you do miss here is programmatic. And I know you talked about it also in the chat and cheese shows, but programmatic doesn't have a footprint in uh, the whole continental Europe. It doesn't exist. And do you believe it doesn't exist just because it's so damn complex? I mean, you've got to be able to know the Denmark job board, the Sweden job board. I mean, it's much more complex than here in the States where everybody speaks the exact same language. And let's say, for instance, Stepstone is not going to do well in France. Obviously, they they shut down France operations. So do do you just think that it's it's more complicated and more complex to be able to maneuver from a relationship standpoint, and that's why it's not happened in Europe? Or is it just that Europeans are slow? No, I think that it's more complex. And the countries uh, uh, like the Netherlands or Belgium is, a very, is very small, so it's also difficult to uh, gather data and information to feed your algorithms. But what I also think that's happening, like Axel Springer, the holding of Stepstone, mm-hmm. they, they bought a programmatic company. I don't know the name. Appcast. Yeah. And I think they just killed it because they they made much more money by publishing vacancies on Stepstone. To give you an idea, to publish a vacancy on, on one vacancy duration post on Stepstone, it's about, I think, 12 or 1300 euros. That's today Yikes. almost dollars. <laughs> Yeah. So that's a business model. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. Not to mention they have this amazing AppCast infrastructure that is a money maker in the U.S. So they are they are draining money out of the U.S. and they 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 have an opportunity, maybe someday, to start programmatic and AppCast in Europe. But before we go down that road, I want to talk about LinkedIn versus Indeed because again, in the U.S. and really across the world, these are the two biggest names in our space. So in Eastern Europe, LinkedIn isn't really used. Eleven uh, percent of individuals surveyed in Germany use LinkedIn. Eleven 
58%, while 58% use Indeed in Germany. But in Sweden and Norway, those positions are, are switched, where LinkedIn has massive numbers over Indeed. I, I think this just demonstrates the huge differences from country to country and region to region. Do you find that most companies try this one vehicle uh, operation, or maybe even two, like an Indeed and a LinkedIn, and they just can't get penetration into the market? Yeah, they really miss the market. And, and I always explain if you, LinkedIn went too late into the East, and in the East of Europe, they already had copycats of, of LinkedIn, like Xing in, uh, uh, in Germany, of Kossing or Xing, and in the in the other Eastern uh, companies, they, they of uh, countries, they already had copycats. So that market was in a way already gone. But from a perspective uh, of people using LinkedIn and using uh, LinkedIn recruiter seats, they see so many talents uh, buy in in numbers uh, of go buy in in numbers that uh, they still think that that LinkedIn is huge. And it is from a from a one company perspective, it is because if you get eleven percent of all the talent in Germany by using LinkedIn, that's still an enormous amount of numbers. But you probably can use better uh, tooling than that to reach more people. And especially if you go to the eastern uh, part of Europe, yeah, that's what I need can say about that. Most companies don't realize that you know countries like Estonia are hyper-focused on tech talent and producing tech talent. And neither LinkedIn or Indeed does well there. So how in the hell do you get penetration into a country that is incredibly focused and savvy around tech like Estonia? Yeah, I'll need to go quick into the manual to tell you exactly what it is in Estonia, but they have a local champion and probably a local champion that uh, by far dominates the market and uh, could be historic uh, from a historical perspective, be market leader, but could also be a market leader because they are funded by the government Mm -hmm. and the, the government tells them or everybody who's looking for a job, this is at least where you put your CV or tells companies they are obligated to publish their vacancies on those job boards. So you can also say in those countries, it's not always a completely free market mm-hmm. uh, because regulations makes that vacancies or CVs should be on, on that platform. I know that's in certain European countries, but in other European countries, you, you just have uh, other market leaders and the market is so dominated by those leaders New entrants by Indeed or LinkedIn or any other party, it's uh, it's a no-go because you cannot win that market. Or the market is too small to win or to be interested to penetrate because these are also small countries. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions. And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chad and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about Text Kernel. Ah, okay, that makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> Seriously, though, seriously, text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, 
Text Kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text Kernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. Text Kernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey. Kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener. Get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> well, that's going to be really hard for the folks at ZipRecruiter and Talent.com who are hoping to get a foothold in Europe uh, to hear for them. So, uh that's a bummer. Well, I know for one thing for sure, uh, ZipRecruiter will never get a footprint in the in in the European market. A new job board getting a footprint in the in the European market, I, I think that's impossible. If and indeed cannot do that, or LinkedIn cannot do that. But what I do think is that like platform technology mm-hmm. that will be if we if we look at for now in the next ten years, I think the the new market leaders will come from that part. And I think the agencies like Adeco, Manpower, but probably new agencies like uh, Job and Talent, and I know you love the name, but uh, <laughs> that those that's, those kind of parties will be the next generation of market leaders in, in Europe. Interesting. Well, let's talk about Russia and Ukraine, because I know that's a little bit of the elephant in the room and something that's impacting the country now and will also have impact in the future. So what's sort of your takeaway in terms of immigration, developers fleeing the country, and not just the Ukraine, but also Russia. How is that impacting uh, the European landscape? Well, the Russian market is very simple to answer. There is no Russian market anymore because we, we cannot do any business with the Russian market and also not with, um, we call it white Russian. The, I don't know what the English word is it, but it's the, uh, another country. Do we have an idea of how many uh, developers and professionals have, have left Russia? In light of the invasion, is it a lot or less than we think? I think it's less than you think because people are not allowed to travel. Uh, there's no, the, so it's very difficult for people to leave Russia. Uh, I think the only way you can leave Russia is by going uh, to Turkey and then to to Europe. So that's not a route many people uh, take. And if we look at the data of Ukraine, we also researched Ukraine. But when we when we made the manual, we thought it was very in. It was not really nice to put in the market of Ukraine because there were so many uh, uncertainties. Yeah. But if I look now, we are going to publish again the data of uh, of Ukraine and uh, also make that data available because we see that the labor market in Ukraine is it started again. Or they already did like two or three months ago. And mm-hmm. well, Ukraine is very big. And I think that's, well, I don't like the word normal, but you see that the labor market is getting to a new sort of normal in in the Ukraine. And uh, I think a lot of people are, again, thinking about near-shoring their their work to uh, to Ukraine. We know a lot of Ukrainians have left the country, particularly developers, and and a lot went to Poland, Germany. Who are they going to – are those – 
professionals going to stay in those countries by your estimation? Are they, are they going to go back? I mean, what are they going to go back to? And I, my assumption is they're going to stay in Poland and Germany and France. And, and if that's the case, who wins the most uh, in that calculus? Is it Germany and UK? Are there countries we don't think about? Are they all going to stay in Poland? Because that's where initially they, they went. Talk about that. Well, I think that, uh, first of all, men were not allowed to leave uh, Ukraine, uh, men till the year of 60. So all the male developers, at least a lot of them are still in the Ukraine. The people who left Ukraine were mainly women and, and, and children. They went to Poland and, and Germany, and they do uh, gain by having that labor force because of the shortages. And we see it also in the Netherlands, is about 25,000 people are from Ukraine are working here. But I expect most of them to return back to their husband or to their family back into the Ukraine. So I don't. I think it's more temporary than it will be uh, uh, for a long time. Okay, that's my guess. Eighty till ninety percent of all developers are still in the Ukraine and are still and are already working, if not fighting. And I'm, I'm guessing most are, are are in the gig economy, finding opportunity. Or and, and companies also, I guess, contracting Ukrainians as well. So they're still able to work if they can put the gun down for a few minutes, right? Yeah, that's true. Gotcha. So talking about immigration in Ukraine for a little bit, I want to talk about others coming into Europe, namely the Chad Sowashes of the world. Uh, we hear a lot about expats, people leaving the U.S., coming to Europe. Was that any part of your survey or any comments around Americans coming over to Europe and how that impacts employment? Well, I think the the amount of Americans coming into uh, Europe is, I, I expect, to be not that big <laughs> and doesn't have a significant impact on the uh, on the European uh, market. Uh, but that's my expect- expectation. But I don't know have I don't have the numbers. What I do see is uh, people from, ex- uh, from example from India, from Indonesia, but also from Africa coming in to be uh, the labor force for companies for like uh, uh, Romania or Hungary. There are so the shortages in, in those countries are even higher than they are in, in Germany and they get the labor out of Europe getting into in those countries. Well, I see that, you know, there's a, there's a migration uh, set up by country because you you have this amazing data country by country and there's a migration piece. So just take a look as, as Joel was talking about in Portugal, the migration is 72,725 immigrants to Portugal. That's from a variety of, uh, of different countries. And then 28,000 219 Portuguese pe- people leaving. So there's there's a net gain of almost 50,000 at that point. And when we're talking about a country uh, the size of Indiana, about 10 million people for all of those American listeners out there, you know, that's that's uh, fairly substantial. Yeah, that's true. And and that is that differs from country to country. Yes. And what you see is in, in Portugal, probably a lot of immigrants come out of uh, South America, because of the the Portuguese history and mm-hmm. also the languages they they have, I think with what is it Brazil or it's uh, uh, Argentine? I don't know exactly. Portuguese. Yeah, but if you look at uh, uh, Germany or you look at the UK, the UK, for example, has a relations uh, historical relations with India. So if they bring in uh, immigrants, a lot of lot of them are from India. So every country has their own correlation to other countries. 
Yeah, on the other side, taking a look at Romania, where Joel wants to go, he wants to migrate to for, for the Big Mac index. <laughs> Two hundred and two thousand four hundred and twenty-two who are immigrating to, so two hundred and two thousand plus, and they have two hundred and thirty-three thousand. So they have thirty thousand plus of the, the prospect of a brain drain. So again, I mean, when you start taking a look and digging into this country by country, you can you can basically see the movement from some countries to other countries. It's pretty amazing. Is there? Any way to do more like detailed flow in understanding where all these individuals are going to? Yeah, and that, that data is also uh, is available uh, uh, on, even on a global scale. And that's, and that's where you see the migration flow. If you look at Romania, for example, the migration flow goes there from East to West Europe. So pe- people living in Romania are going to work in more in, in Germany or in the Netherlands or in, in, in France. Uh, because they can buy more Big Macs uh, uh, in total of the money they make, but to lose of to to gain the losses they have on the labor market, Romania gets people from outside Europe and brings them into Romania, and that's that's how the flow works. So they bring it more from Asia into Europe, and Romanians go to the rest the rest part of Europe. So that's, that's the migration flow goes also from east to west in Europe. Gotcha. Well, Gert John Vostorp, kids, that's right. CEO and founder of the Intelligence Group. JG, if somebody wants to actually, you know, I don't know, go download the European Talent Intelligence Manual for 2022, where would you send them? Well, I would send them to our website, uh, www.intelligence.group.nl. Uh, and it, the manual is free to download. Just register your name and you'll get some emails from us. No, just kidding. You'll get the, the manual from us. And, uh, <laughs> and I hope it surprises uh, everybody in Europe, but also outside of Europe. Well, excellent, man. I, again, I appreciate it. This is some great data. I'd be surprised if, if you don't have a ton of people downloading this just to be able to understand what's happening in the neighborhood, not to mention taking a look across the pond. Chad, that's another one in the can. Lots of fun. And we out. We out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? The podcast. The Chad. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout outs of people you don't even know. And yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue, nacho, pepper jack, Swiss. So many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. 
Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.